This episode may contain themes that are unsettling for some listeners and includes dialogue that is inappropriate for children under 14. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Juicy Juicers. I'm Brooke. And I'm Melissa. And this is... For God's sake, don't drink the Jones juice. Welcome back after our three-month long hiatus. Something like that. Way too long. It's been a while. So hi. Thank you for joining us. Um, I want to go ahead and apologize in advance if this is a really rough episode because it's it's been a while. (laughs) it's, It's been a minute. I'm surprised um, I remember how to do anything. Uh, I know. I'm 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 so stoked. I've been missing this so much. I'm so excited to get back in it. I'm like, e, I'm all giddy over here. So, thank you, thank you guys that stuck with us and uh we're back. So, yeah, when we announced we were coming back, dude, I was actually very surprised at like the reactions. Yeah, people were so you guys were so nice about it and like it made us or made me i don't brooke probably was excited too i don't know i'm not going to speak for her but it made me like want to cry yeah because i mean there were people like i've listened to every episode like five times since you left like ah yeah that <laughs> that's awesome that was really cool yeah so we are here for you again again and we are ready we've just had a just uh we just had to go on a little break a lot of uh craziness going on in our lives and a lot of updates and you know as we go on i'm sure there'll be things discussed but uh for right now just thank you thank you for joining us yes we hope you're as excited as we are (laughs) thank you for still being here even though we were like just kidding bye (laughs) so we are back we are back for good um, do you want to talk about any life updates? Just considering. considering. Um, I mean, you go right ahead. You you go for it. My life is the exact same as it once was. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I've gone through some things, um, as some of you may have just kind of gathered from subliminal Facebook posts, that kind of thing. Um, I, like I said, I don't really want to get too far into it, you know, first episode, but you know, we'll kind of talk about things as time goes past, but I'll just say I'm in a really good place right now and life is good. And, uh, I'm just happy to be back and I'm happy to be here with Alyssa and, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. So, um, I painted my bedroom and hallway and bedroom furniture. Okay. That's my life update. You know what I've been doing? (laughs) I've been, just trying to live a good life and eating lots of food and getting really fat and not going to the gym and just trying to be happy. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm there, you know, you know, uh, so much weight really rolls off your shoulders when you stop thinking about what you're eating. <laughs> right? Seriously. Cause like I've been trying to watch what I'm eating and it's miserable. You really yeah. just constantly like, and you're then you start to feel about guilty. the next meal because you're like, Ugh, I have to have a salad. This sucks. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. 
So. And then when you just decide you're going to eat whatever, your life then just you, rolls on. Oh, well, yeah. But good. I beat myself up about it. Do and, you? See, yeah. I'm like the opposite. When I am dieting, I constantly beat myself up if like. You slip up or. Yeah. Or, you know, if I feel like I've eaten too much of something one day, I'm constantly like beating myself up, beating myself up about it. Mm-hmm. But when I'm just eating whatever, I'm like, whatever. Right. Right. I'm already fat. Fat <laughs> and happy. Well just eat another slice of pizza. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, yeah. Um, I hope all of you are doing well. Yes. And uh, we tried to keep the Facebook, you know, maintained, you know, here and there. That way you guys wouldn't leave us like we did you. Um, <laughs> we didn't leave you guys. We just... Um, we had to take a breather. Yeah, We just... We didn't even leave. We just kind of stopped recording for a while. But we were still there. Yeah. We so. were still there. And uh, I think we were both hoping we would get back to it. So. Yep. Here and here we, we are. are. Oh, and also, yesterday was Titus's birthday. He's five now. And oh. I'm half a decade, dude. I can't even believe I, it. I can't either. It's mind-blowing. Brooke was there when I pushed him out of my body. I was. That's <laughs> one of my prouder moments in life. It's, it's It was an amazing experience. That's my baby. Yeah, it was weird having four people crowded around my <laughs> bottom regions. <laughs> as I he was so cute human. yesterday. Yeah, they had his birthday party yesterday, and he had a ball. He got all kinds of goodies. He was so sweet to me, too. Before I left, I was trying to hug him and kiss uh-huh. him bye, and he wrapped his arms around my like thigh uh-huh. and was trying not to let me leave. Aww. I was like, oh, baby, I gotta go. I'm so sorry. That's so sweet. I didn't know he did that. He did. I love him so much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sweet boy. Yeah. yeah, but he also did swat at you if you <laughs> He did, but that's okay. That's all right. I'll just uppercut him. Or, <laughs> no, seriously. Like, when I was telling my mom, he hit me on my back because um, I don't remember why, but he hit me on my back and I, oh, nothing, like the small of your back. Yeah. Nothing makes me want to just punt a kid more <laughs> than when they hit me on my Lower back. back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. It just... I would never do it, just to clarify, but it, it brings a rage out inside of me. Well, he punched me in the eye the other day. So <gasps> Very hard. That was yeah. fun. Yeah, that was really terrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's totally okay. It didn't hurt as bad as it sounded. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was like, so, <laughs> it was like Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I knew if I didn't immediately like act like I was hurting really bad, like <laughs> he, he would just, not care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, I feel like he just kind of pretended to care because we were all like, Titus, she's crying. Oh, no. Uh, he's a mess. You are working on the behavior. He has behavioral issues, but we're, we're working on it. The school's working on it. Our church is working on it. Which is amazing. So, yeah. Anyways, um, we got some cool stories for you guys today. Well, hell, you know, since we left... I, my daughter turned 14. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, she did turn 14. I have a 14 year old now. Crazy. Just a little life updates. A five year old and a 14 year old. But you know, they love each other so much. They do. Oh my gosh. We had a, like me, Brooke and a few other people and Scotty had um, dinner here at Brooke's house. Like the other day. Like a game night. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ansley didn't want to play games, but Titus 
I mean, he's too young to play games. But, yeah. uh, he went upstairs to Ansley's room and played Fortnite and Roblox on her Xbox. And she hung out with him the entire time. For like hours. Yeah. We didn't hear anything from him and other I kept than saying, like, like, I want a green drink. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept telling her, I was like, if he is like an issue, let me know and I will yeah. get him. But she, she no. was fine with it. She said yeah. he did great. She's like, I like hanging out with him. Yeah. So that was, that was really nice. Me and Scotty got to hang out with the adults for once. Right. and. Ansley got to spend time with her cousin. Mm-hmm. So yay. <laughs> that was cool. Yes. She's a good babysitter. She is. She's much better than my siblings with him. <laughs> you know, Scotty sent her a text and thanked her. I don't know if you knew that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he showed that it was to sweet. me. Yeah. I was proud of him for that. That was really nice. I'm sure she appreciated it too. Probably so. Ernerer. <laughs> Is that it? Is that everything? Yeah, just, you know, quick little, hey, this is what we've been up to, I guess. Nothing much. <laughs> okay, well, um, do you just want to go ahead and get started? Let's get started. All right, so today I am covering Chris Benoit, the double murder-suicide of a WWE professional wrestler. Super interesting case. Um, funny story. <laughs> so before I knew who Chris Benoit was, whenever Scotty would say Chris Benoit, I thought he was saying Crispy Wall. Crispy Wall? And I was like, oh my okay, God. Okay, okay, let me back up. Let me back up. I didn't think he was saying Crispy Wall, but that's what it sounded like. <laughs> and I would always say Crispy Wall. Cause it, and you know, like when Scotty says something to you and you're like, what? Yeah. He doesn't, you know, slow down yeah. or like enunciate it better. That's he just like hilarious. keeps on saying it the same exact way. Crispy Wall. Crispy Wall. <laughs> and, and, and he mutters. Yeah. Like, mum, not mutters. Mumbles. Like so, most men. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't think it was Crispy, crispy Wall. That's just what it sounded like. That's um, I just want to clarify. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> but so I always call him Crispy Wall oh, because of that. Hilarious. Okay. So that's funny. I just have to add something in there. Mm-hmm. So when <laughs> I was a kid... Uh, me and my sister and her best friend would hang out a lot. And like back in the day, I don't know if you did this, Alyssa, you're probably too young, but so like if you wanted to like have a certain song and not buy the CD, you would record on like a tape from the radio, like mm-hmm. certain songs. And then you would have like a mixtape, right? Well, we thought that ludicrous okay you know who ludicrous is we thought his name was little chris okay (laughs) so on this tape it said little chris and then we also had songs by mystical okay have you heard of mystical it's a rapper so anyway but you know what we thought his name was what mr cool mr cool so we had little chris and mr cool oh my god that's That's hilarious horrible So now every time I hear ludicrous or mystical, I'm like, little Chris, Mr. Cool. And now you can add crispy wall to that. Crispy wall. Because, I don't know. And there's also a a wrestler named Bobby Lashley, but I always call him, um, what if, now I can't even remember. (laughs) Blobby Blashley. (laughs) I don't know. But anyways, um, Crispy Wall is nothing to joke about because this story is actually very sad on very many different levels. Oh, gosh. Yeah. 
Um, so I got my sources from, um, so Vice put out a um, documentary called, I well, it's like a series called Dark Side of the Ring, but they did one on Benoit. Yeah, it's good stuff too. Did you watch it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scotty made me watch it. Did he really? It was good. I watched it with Scotty, um, and I took some stuff from it. Um, I also use prowrestling.fandom.com. I used Wikipedia. I used CBS News, What Culture, and Bleacher Report. All right. So, Chris Benoit was born... May 21st, 1967, in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. He was a professional wrestler that wrestled for many different promotions, including um, World Wrestling Federation, Mm -hmm. World Wrestling Entertainment, World Championship Wrestling, Extreme Championship Wrestling, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. WWF, WWE, WCW... Yeah. ECW, NJPW. <laughs> I don't know the last one, but... He held 22 championships between these few promotions. It's a lot. Heck yeah. Um, so I'm just going to kind of give you a little bit about what he did as a wrestler. Just so you can kind of see he was pretty accomplished. Oh, yeah. He was he, a good wrestler. Very, very, very well known before everything happened yeah yeah and probably more well known now that everything has happened but yeah um they i I do want to point out and a lot of these articles um from different people they said that crispin wall was not a very charismatic person (laughs) he's a very quiet person yeah but his in-ring performance was just so beyond i guess how he was in actual real life yeah. yeah that it was like night and day but it he did so well in the ring that's amazing to me yeah it's it's kind of similar to scotty's personality i I was literally gonna say that yeah in ring is completely different than the person you get like on the regular Mm -hmm. he is so scotty is a pretty reserved person around mostly people he doesn't know but he exudes confidence in the ring when he's in the ring he is a completely different i don't even know who he is It's amazing to me like how do you do that (laughs) i don't know you have to be a psycho i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) scotty listens to every episode i love you i'm sorry (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, um, so Benoit was a two-time world champion, a one-time WCW world heavyweight champion, and a one-time world heavyweight champion in WWE. He was the 12th WWE Triple Crown Championship and the 7th WCW Triple Crown Championship. I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> Um, he was also the second of four men in history to achieve both the WWE and WCW Triple Crown Championships. She's not a wrestling fan. No, I'm not. She's doing this for Scotty. If, yes. <laughs> um, well, the story is also interesting, oh, but yeah. um, it yeah, was, uh, Scotty wanted me to do this. Yeah. So. Um, in 2004, he was the Royal Rumble winner, joining Shawn Michaels and preceding Edge as one of three men to win a Royal Rumble as the number one entrant. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's pretty cool. See, I grew up with this stuff, you know, dad and Scotty being such big fans. I I don't know a whole lot about wrestling nowadays because I don't watch it, but like all the old school, like, yeah, I I know all of them. Yeah. I know Shawn Michaels and Edge. Yeah. They're still around, right? 
um i think sean like alive or in wrestling in wrestling <laughs> edge is i don't know i don't think sean michaels is i always had biggest crush on edge cute <laughs> looks like a weirdo now does he a skeleton Ooh, yeah, like really? when i look at old pictures of edge yeah i think he's pretty he's okay looking yeah but now it's like Ooh. i don't know he's just old i guess right i don't know anyways um despite what chris benoit did which we will get into he is still considered to be one of if not the greatest wrestler of all time mm-hmm. his in-ring it god his in-ring nicknames were the canadian crippler or just the crippler and the rabid wolverine Okay. You know what I always tell Scotty? What? That wrestling is so dramatic for absolutely no reason whatsoever. <laughs> well, I feel like it's a dramatic sport, though. It's really not that dramatic. <laughs> like, the rabid Wolverine, uh, but they're just like... <laughs> body slam. <laughs> I don't know. Like, the... Okay. The... the um, What are they called? Like, the plots, the mm-hmm. storylines, mm-hmm. they're so dramatic for no reason. That's what is so... Like, Scotty, when he wrestles, he... I don't know. You know, his persona is kind of like an underworld mob boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's feuding now with um, a guy named Ace. And I don't know. It's just weird. They like drag each other into like vans and drive off and like kidnap each other. I don't know. It's just so funny. It's like, like Scotty says that he's like this underworld mob boss and Ace is king of the South. Okay. And they come together to, you know, I don't know, like, um, handle their disputes by wrestling you know what i mean it's just funny i don't know a little side note here if you guys are into wrestling my brother slash Alyssa's man um his stage name is tyler colprett you guys should check him out oh you know what i was thinking about what um i was thinking how i always say scotty yeah i always say scotty on here but um Anybody who knows him from wrestling calls him Tyler. They don't know Scotty. They know him by Tyler. Mm-hmm. And his name is Tyler Colprat on Facebook. So and sometimes, Instagram. Yeah. yeah, on every social media. And he doesn't... It's literally just... Um, everything is about wrestling yeah. for his social medias. So I'm always scared that like people will see me replying to, to Tyler Colprat and being like i love you too and think you're like a cheating whore yes. or something yes. wait i thought her man was scotty right Sky, scotty Morello and tyler culprit are the same person yes i'm breaking his kayfabe but that's what that is just to protect myself <laughs> wait she's in a relationship with a guy named tyler i thought it was scotty it's both okay it's both i get two men in one i guess well that right there was good to cl- clarify because there's probably been people a little confused. They're like, hmm, this is a little shady. <laughs> yeah, no, they're the same person. Okay, so Chris Benoit was married to Nancy Benoit, who went by the name of Woman in WCW. Mm-hmm. She was born May 17th, 1964 in Boston, Massachusetts. So Nancy was 
originally married to a wrestler named Kevin Sullivan, who was feuding with Chris Benoit. Nancy and Benoit started an on-screen, mm-hmm. I did, bunny ears, okay, <laughs> relationship during WCW Saturday night on December 7th during a post-match interview with Sullivan. A home movie done by Nancy and Benoit was played for Sullivan, where the two can be seen canoodling in a kitchen. Woman was heard saying, you can't find me, I'm my own woman. And Benoit adding, you consider yourself the master of human chess. Well, my bishop just took your queen. Sorry, I like misspelled <laughs> something in here. Um, and as I said with the, you know, bunny ears, you can kind of guess that this on-screen relationship, like, became a real-life affair. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often joked that Kevin Sullivan booked his own divorce. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And Nancy and him were officially divorced in 1997. Um, Woman's final WCW appearance was May 26, 1997, on Monday Nitro as she accompanied Benoit to the ring. On the following week's show, Benoit showed up without woman, and she was never seen or mentioned on WCW again. Wow. I don't know why. Yeah. But I think that's weird. Disappeared. Yeah. Scotty, I asked Scotty, he said, there's your answer, Alyssa. And I was like, where? It's not in here. He was like, we don't know. Okay. (laughs) I was like, thanks. And he was like, it's probably because, you know, they had a kid and, you know, she was raising children. I don't know. Right. Um, So... February 25th, 2000, Daniel Benoit was born. Um, He has two other siblings, uh, Chris Benoit, or by Chris Benoit, sorry. Um, But they have a different mother than Daniel. Okay. So he had older siblings. Yes. Um, It was alleged that Daniel Benoit had fragile X syndrome, which is a genetic condition that causes intellectual disability. It's caused by a mutation in which a DNA segment known as the CGG triple repeat is expanded within the FMR1 gene. Okay. I just wanted to fully explain that. Because we know exactly what you're talking about. Well, if I didn't explain it, I feel like people would be like, why didn't she say what it was? Oh, no. Yeah, totally. Google it. (laughs) Um, so needle marks in Daniel's arm suggested that Benoit had been giving him growth hormones because oh. he was undersized due to fragile X. Oh my God. Chris Jericho, who was Benoit's co-wrestler and one of his best friends, stated that the symptoms of fragile X fit Daniel to a T all across the board. There were people who publicly stated that they had no knowledge of Daniel having fragile X. But Jericho says, if Chris had decided that he wanted to keep it to himself, you wouldn't have been able to pry that out of him with anything. He's so a very private person and, and, and <clears throat> real life. Yeah. Later, though, in Jericho's book, Undisputed, he said, it turned out that Daniel didn't have fragile X, but at the time I made it made sense because I was grasping at straws. There have also been no medical mentionings of Daniel having fragile X, but for whatever reason, it's still unknown whether he did or not. So, mm. um, but unfortunately, Daniel having fragile X was 
allegedly having fragile X was a cause of family issues between Benoit and Nancy. Really? <clears throat> yeah. So that's just a little bit about their family, the three of them. Um, before we kind of get into the murder and the suicide, I'm I'm just going to kind of outline what other people were seeing during the three days that it was happening or the few days that it was happening. Okay. So, um, I think this was, I obviously accidentally erased it. It was either Friday or Saturday at three forty-four. Um, called, um, obviously I deleted his first name too. Um, it was, Eddie Guerrero's nephew. Okay. I can't remember. Chavo Guerrero. Okay. Yeah, Chavo Guerrero. Okay, yeah, that's what it was. Um, uh, Benoit had called Chavo Guerrero. Okay, no. I'm so sorry. I'm, like, skipping so much stuff. Okay. At 3.30 p.m. on Saturday, June 23rd, 2007, Chavo Guerrero received a voicemail from Benoit saying that he had overslept and missed his flight and in result would be late for the show that night in... Is it... Beaumont, Texas? Beaumont, Texas? Beaumont. Beaumont, Beaumont Texas. Okay. Guerrero called Benoit back and was concerned when Benoit sounded tired and groggy. They spoke about the message Benoit had left for Guerrero and then hung up. Twelve minutes later, Guerrero called Benoit again because he was concerned. But Benoit did not answer. At 3.44, Benoit called Guerrero back and said that he didn't answer the call because he was on the phone with Delta trying to change his flight. He also talked about how his day had been stressful due to Nancy and Daniel having food poisoning. A co-worker who traveled with Benoit called him, and again, Benoit talked about how Nancy was vomiting blood and Daniel was also vomiting. Eef. Yeah. Sunday, June 24th, Benoit sent out five text messages to co-workers using his own phone and Nancy's. And this was around 3.51 a.m. and 3.58 a.m. Four of the text messages were the Benoit's address. And the fifth message talked about how the dogs were in the enclosed pool area and how the garage side door was open. Weird. Yeah. He also called an unknown friend and then called WWE's talent relations office and told them how his son was throwing up and him and Nancy were at the hospital with him. Due to this, he wouldn't be able to make it to the live event in Beaumont, but would be taking a later flight into Houston, which, you know, is weird. He's changing up what's happening with Nancy and Daniel. Yeah. By Monday, June 25th, Chavo Guerrero notified WWE about the text messages from Benoit, which in return made the WWE reach out to the Fayetteville County Sheriff's Department and ask them to check on the Benoit family. Officers were sent to the house where they found the family dead. They notified WWE, informing them that they had found three bodies and that the house was now a major crime scene. Oh, my God. Do uh, I need to pause it? No. Are you sure? My feet are just freezing. Okay, sorry. Brooke had to go get socks. <laughs> um. So, anyways, where was I at? 
bodies were found. Okay, yeah. So, according to the investigation, this is kind of what happened with Benoit and his family during those text messages and calls. Friday, June 22nd, 2007, Nancy Benoit was killed in the upstairs office of the Benoit home. The injuries on her body indicated that Chris Benoit had placed a knee into her back while pulling on a cord around her neck to strangle her. That's so horrifying. There was also blood found under her head, which indicated that Nancy had probably tried to defend herself. Mm-hmm. But officials stated that there were no signs of a struggle. Nancy was also found wrapped in a towel with her limbs bound and a Bible laying next to her. Daniel Benoit was found in his bedroom with a Bible left by his side as well. He had been suffocated. His throat showed internal injuries, but it also had no bruising. Mm. Daniel had been sedated with Xanax and was likely unconscious when he was murdered. There was also a large butcher knife found under his bed. Huh. That's weird, right? Is it like the kid had it for protection? or I don't know. They don't know. I think Scotty was saying that it was probably that, but I mean, what if Chris Benoit hit it under there to kill him later? Yeah. Who knows? How old was the child? He was seven. Okay. He was seven years old, and... um. probably unconscious when he died so Mm -hmm. that's good Mm -hmm. um they also don't know when he died like what time it was or what day it was it's unknown so they don't know if he died before or after the mother i think they they, um they think he died after her yeah they're pretty sure he died after her but you would pretty much have to yeah they don't have an exact time or whatever so after killing his wife and child monday of 2007, Chris Benoit killed himself by using a weight machine cord to hang himself. Benoit released the weights and 240 pounds, which is six pounds heavier than Benoit, caused the strangulation. The pull-down bar had been removed and Benoit was hanging from the pulley. Eesh. So terrible. And there was not a suicide note found during the initial investigation, but later a note was found in a Bible that had been sent to Benoit's first wife. The note read, I'm preparing to leave this earth. Mm. Yeah, so I'm sure you are all wondering why, how could this, you know, successful wrestler do this? Yeah. This horrific crime where he, you know, kills his wife, kills his seven-year-old son, and then kills himself. Like, why? Why did this happen? How did this happen? Right. Unfortunately for Chris Benoit, he had experienced a lot of head trauma in his um, 22 years of, you know, wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... He did this move. It was a signature move called the diving headbutt. And it is exactly how it sounds. Mm-hmm. Benoit climbs the top rope, which is about 13 feet higher than his opponent on the mat. 
He would then jump off the top rope and free fall down to land on his opponent. Um, in the Bleacher Report article, they state that Benoit would have been falling at about 9.8 meters per second, and when his body landed, his skeleton stopped with him, but for a split few seconds after hitting the ground, his internal or- organs were still moving at 9.8 meters per second. Yeah. The brain could bounce against the front of the skull, bounce off the back of the skull, and then go still again. Mm. This article also points out that Benoit's brain was basically a bouncy ball inside of his skull 10 times a week for 22 years. Wow. Isn't that insane? And what a horrifying, like, you know, um, analogy. A bouncy ball. I mean, yeah. You just picture it. Just. Yeah. Just hit the front of your head, hit the back of your head. Oh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I kind of want to talk about what a concussion actually is. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like an exact quote from Bleacher Report. So not my words. Concussions occur when the brain strikes the interior surface of the skull. When a person's head is rapidly moved, the brain inside moves as well. The brain is not stationary. So rapid movements cause the brain to sway inside as the brain impacts the skull bruises are formed and the bruising is what concussions are mm-hmm. on a basic level once a bruise a concussion happens on the brain it is there forever wow yeah the brain is made up of nerve cells and oddly enough nerve cells do not go through cell division cell division is how all our other cells get repaired and when they are damaged so no. yeah yep they, it doesn't ever repair yeah wow did not know that now since these cells do not get repaired it is critical that a person not suffer more than one concussion in the same area of the brain Mm -hmm. by injuring the same spot over and over you begin to to develop severe deficits that will affect how you live your life wow yeah i didn't know any of that either which no that's insane i thought you could recover from a concussion but no yeah Yeah, it's there forever it doesn't it's like a virus stays in your spine that's insane and i'm pretty certain i've had at least one concussion i know for sure (laughs) i'm sure you have at least one i know of one for sure but uh, there's probably been more I don't think I've ever had a... Well, actually, one time I got a desk thrown at my head at school. So I had a goose egg, like the biggest goose egg I've ever seen in my life. Did it knock you out? Uh, for like a split second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tests had been conducted on Benoit by Julian Bales, who is the, the head of neurosurgery at West Virginia University. These results showed that Benoit's brain was so severely damaged, it resembled the brain of an 85-year-old Alzheimer's patient. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's something to think about. What what was he in? Was he in his 30s when this happened? (laughs) Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. I would assume. I want to say he was in his 30s. I should have put that in. I'll Google that really fast. That's okay. I can do it while you continue. Okay. Conducting tests on Benoit's brain tissue concluded that he had suffered from severe chronic traumatic. Um, he was 40. He was 40? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, he had suffered from severe chronic traumatic 
encephalopathy puthy i can't ever say encephalopathy Oh, yeah, God, yeah, you go for it, dude. Encephalopathy. Encephalopathy. Yeah, it's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> um, he had damage on all four lobes of the brain and brainstem. Repeated concussions can lead to dementia, which obviously can cause behavioral issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also want to kind of note that Benoit didn't just kill Nancy and Daniel and then immediately kill himself. He also lived in the house with his dead wife and child for, you know, at least a day mm-hmm. before killing himself. Mm-hmm. He also had some extremely eerie internet searches. In the Benoit documentary from Dark Side of the Ring, Vicky Guerrero pointed out that Benoit had Googled the story about the prophet Elijah particularly the story where a young boy is resurrected in the Old Testament. He was basically trying to figure out a way to resurrect Daniel. And then he, um, then he started Googling the like most painless, fastest way to break your neck. Oh, so very, very, very just, I don't even know. It's just chaotic. Yeah. Chaotic all around. But I don't think that sounds like something of a person of sound mind would do. Absolutely not. Yeah. Most people attribute these murders and suicide to roid rage. Mm -hmm. Um, There was apparently a lot of steroids in the Benoit home prescribed to Benoit. Well, this was a day where they were all using them. Yeah. Um, I actually found an interview with a medical doctor named Gary Waller with WebMD, and he answered questions about roid rage. Um, Waller is a clinical associate professor of medicine at the New York University's Medical School. He's a spokesman for the American College of Sports Medicine a member of the World Anti-Doping Agency, and the author of the textbook Drugs and the Athlete. So I think he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm going to include a couple of the questions from this interview verbatim, just because I wasn't about to summarize what this doctor was saying. Yeah. Um, but you can find this um, interview at cbsnews.com or whatever. So, what is roid rage? And he says that roid rage, in many ways, I would characterize as a form of impulse control. It provokes overreactions via a stimulus that normally doesn't produce such a severe reaction. Mm-hmm. So, basically, like, you know, if I said something that upset Brooke, or that if I said something that, you know, probably you know, made Brooke feel a little bit negative about it. Mm-hmm. Um, she could just brush it off and be like, whatever. Right. But if she was like in a fit of roid rage, she would like, you know, punch a wall or fight me or, you know, just like <clears throat> be insane. So, um, could anabolic steroids account for severely violent acts? And Gary says, yes, it's been implicated in a number of murders and can result in extreme aberrations of behavior, including the taking of one's life. 
Another thing you have to be mindful of, it may unmask an underlying psychiatric disorder that has been basically kept in check until the individual is exposed to this category of drug. Mm -hmm. And so what you may be seeing is unmasked psychiatric disorder. Mm -hmm. So that's even scarier, I think. Yeah. Eek. So there was um, a few other theories, one being about Nancy filing for divorce because allegedly there was domestic abuse from Benoit. Um, She withdrew the divorce. Um, You know, just that kind of stuff, which I personally don't really think. I mean, I'm sure maybe it weighed somewhat on it. Right. But um, I mean, Nancy thought he was cheating on her with a WWE diva. Mm hmm. And I'm sure that has, I think probably all of this has something to do with it. But I mean, just the fact that his brain was so messed up, I think that's pretty much the baseline. But um, Benoit was also best, 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 best friends with um, a co-wrestler named Eddie Guerrero, which I mentioned earlier was Chavo Guerrero's uncle. Mm when Guerrero died of an enlarged heart in 2005, Benoit basically broke. Oh, yeah. He uh, did. Yeah. Um, according to an article from CBR.com, people who were close with Benoit were really surprised of how damaging Guerrero's death was for him. So, like, they didn't even, I guess they didn't even realize just how much he felt for Guerrero. Oh, yeah. That's devastating. And they uh, talk about that a lot in that documentary. Yes, they do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Chris Jericho said that Eddie's death broke Benoit to his core. He recalled a hug that Benoit gave him at the funeral that was the most desperate, saddest, I'm hanging on for dear life hugs that you could ever get. Oh, that just gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Jericho also talked about Benoit letting out deep, hitching sobs during the funeral. Oh, my gosh. It's really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, Chavo Guerrero, who is Eddie's nephew, as I've said a billion times, <laughs> said that it was as if Benoit had lost a spouse or something. Wow. Like, this is how much he loved him. That was like a unbreakable bond. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Ouch. So I think it's like, you know, a mix of, you know, his brain is pretty much mush. Um, I literally looked at a picture of like a normal brain versus a brain with um, CTE mm-hmm. and it's insane. Like it is, lit- it's like looking at a lung that's healthy and a lung that, you know, a smoker has been smoking for like 40 years. Wow. It's so crazy. Gosh. Um, so because of Benoit killing his family and himself, uh, uh, WWE kind of had to mature its wellness policy. Good. Yeah, which included <clears throat> banning certain prescription drugs that are known to cause behavioral issues mm-hmm. and working with former WWE wrestler Chris Nowitzki's sports legacy firm in an effort to bring awareness to the adverse effects of concussions resulting from this wwe has banned chair shots to the head which is something benoit did like all the time regularly Uh. like 
even before I kind of knew that, that bit of information, whenever I think of him in my head, I feel like I see a, a chair hitting his head. Right. So. I, I think, I mean, obviously we know probably better than a lot of people. Yeah. You know, they say wrestling's fake or whatever, but I mean, you've seen Scotty's injuries, sorry, Tyler's injuries, you yeah. know, like bad shit can happen in there, you know, accidents, you know, things that aren't supposed to happen. Yeah. I mean, Tyler's broken bones and Collarbone. bloody face and needed stitches. Yeah. Didn't get the stitches, but needed them. I mean, in it, his it nose. split his nose, had mm-hmm. that big gash in his leg. Giant knot. Shit happens. And that's, you know, this isn't even like, you know, WWE shit. This is, you know, like indie wrestling. Yeah. yeah. It's actually crazy when, yeah, like wrestling is fake in the sense that it is predetermined right but yeah and and, and it's they get hurt yeah you know yeah it's um it's crazy i don't like it but scotty talks about all the time like sometimes he'll like black out for a second (gasps) in the ring and he hit his head or oh no he's struggling to do something because he's dizzy he's driving home and feeling like he has to throw up and i'm like oh my god do you realize you have a a kid right. <laughs> family like oh that's so scary it's and you know like football players are a prime example of oh, having cte yeah. they Aaron even Hernandez, with helmets you know even with helmets yeah they constantly are having hitting the ground and brain you know, injuries yeah. yeah and you know wrestlers don't wear helmets yeah but they get their heads hit slammed into the yeah. ground and all yeah, the time. It's like the Aaron Hernandez Hernandez case. I really, really want to cover. Yeah, I don't know it. I don't think. Oh, oh we'll do that one soon. Okay. It's, it has a lot to do with brain injury. Yeah. From. Yeah. All right. The last thing I have is I just want to talk about how Benoit is pretty much erased from history mm-hmm. after that mm-hmm. in the WWE. I mean, like you can still watch him wrestle mm-hmm. like um youtube and or even on the wwe now is with peacock i guess but you can still watch his matches like when i was researching last night scotty was watching some show or whatever and ben wall comes out and um you you can't search ben wall like if you search up um stone cold steve austin you yeah. can find like i guess every match he's ever done or whatever if you type in benoit you're not going to find anything really yeah or um like with um you know how i scotty actually told me this i didn't know this until he told me but i remember when i said that he was um the one of three of sean michaels and edge to be the number one entrant in a royal rumble Uh uh-huh and um so i guess it was sean michaels then benoit and then edge Mm -hmm. and so when edge did it they were like edge is now part of a small group of people who um you know have been the number one entrant to you know make it to the end of or to win the royal rumble um including Shawn michaels but it's literally like completely blacklisted yeah Yeah. which i understand he he was a murderer yeah killed uh two innocent people and then himself but yeah but did wrestling cause it yeah. See, yeah. Like, I mean, they, yeah. I'm just glad they've upped their standards and are doing checks for that kind of thing now. Yeah. You know, I, it's still pretty dangerous, but yeah. 
Sure that was know. a devastating blow to the industry. And Oh, know. yeah. I mean, WWE faced a lot of um, scrutiny, scrutiny yeah, yeah, from it because, I mean, how could they not? How could they not? I, I think personally, I believe they have, you know, a bit to blame. They're mm-hmm. a bit, you, you can blame them because. Yeah, they should have been checking those things before. Yeah. And uh, I think, too, when that happened, you know, the steroid thing they uh, started making, you know, that a uh, thing that they checked for. Yeah, you you literally can't do anything like Mm -hmm. that. They're um, even pain medications. They've Mm -hmm. um, banned certain pain medication and muscle relaxers Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. anything that can damage you. Yeah. You know, fuck with your mindset. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the case of Benoit's double murder suicide. It's sad. Yeah, it's very sad. It's sad. And I said that it's sad in many ways. Oops, sorry, guys. It's sad because, I mean, obviously he killed people and himself, but it's also sad because, I mean, they he probably didn't realize, like, How what... damaged. Yeah, like, what this wrestling was doing to his head, to mm-hmm. his brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of this most likely, like, Could 99% probably would have been avoided mm-hmm. if he didn't have so many... Brain injuries. injuries, yeah, yeah. So, what I, I know. find interesting uh, for our first podcast back, uh, Alyssa and I both chose local to us cases uh, because I believe Benoit was a uh, Fayetteville, mm-hmm. Georgia. Yeah. So, and uh, my case coming up is also a Georgia case. So there's that. Crazy, yeah. So, I love that kind of stuff, though. I love doing local. You know, mm-hmm. the next case that I'm going to be talking about, I want to go there. <laughs> I do too. Um, I also like how sometimes we'll um, both, I mean, like usually we don't tell each other what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We kind of did this time because it was like our first time back. But mm-hmm. um, but we did like we just kind of told each other and we both just so happened to have Georgia cases. Yeah. I like when there's like a similarity yeah. in yeah. our cases. Yeah. All right, well, I guess we will take a quick break and then we'll be back for Brooke's story. Hey again, we're back. And uh, we're going to just dive on into part two. Uh, anything we need to discuss beforehand? Um, I just want to say if you guys hear my stomach growl, I'm sorry. <laughs> it growled like three times when I was talking. She so. hangry. <laughs> All right. So um, today I am going to be discussing the Corpsewood Manor case. Uh, in 1982, Corpsewood Manor became the famous North Georgia castle of two horrific murders. But in case you're wondering how Corpsewood Manor got its name, that's not how it came about. It did not come about because of the murders. Right. It was actually named by the two men who were lovers, both originally from Illinois, who hand built their dream home. An isolated castle on over 40 acres near Somerville, Georgia, and lived in it for five years before their untimely deaths. So sad. So sad. 
1976, the two men decided to disappear from society and the big city of Chicago and decided to buy an isolated plot of land in the Appalachian Hills of North Georgia in the middle of the Chattahoochee National Forest. A dream. A dream. The men built their brick mansion by hand starting in 1977, even living in tents in the woods until it was completed. Dedicated. Oh, for sure. A total of 45,000 bricks were laid by hand by the two men during the construction of the home. Dude, imagine being able to build a house. (laughs) By hand, in the middle of nowhere. Like, can you imagine just having that um Two guys just skills? stacking bricks. Just knowing how to build a house. Like, right. that's crazy to me. Yes. So, besides the two-story brick house, the couple also built several outbuildings, uh, one which was a three-story chicken coop. The first floor of the coop was for poultry and food storage. So, you got to think they're out in the middle of the nowhere. They don't really have access to grocery stores. Right. and So, they would just kind of stock up, and that's where they kept their food. Mm-hmm. The second floor was for uh, canned goods and the couple's pornography collection. I guess that's where you would put it. With the canned goods, you know? Yeah. Got ravioli and, and the chicken porn. coop. <laughs> <laughs> ravioli and porn. <laughs> the third floor of the chicken coop was nicknamed the pink room. And it was where the couple would entertain their de- their guests. And I say entertain. Uh, <laughs> I what? mean, the porn is with the ravioli just a floor below. Just er, imagination. Right. <laughs> so uh, we'll talk more about the pink room later. I do want to say really fast that mm-hmm. um, what a horrible place to put your pink room because chickens smell so bad. Right. Like so bad. Right. And it's what you said, the third. It was the third floor where the pink room was. In the so coop. the first floor was for the poultry and for storing food. Second floor was for canned goods and porn. <laughs> and the third story was the pink room. My goodness. So the name of the home actually, according to a legend, came from the body of a dead horse that was on the property the day the men found the site. So there's a dead horse just laid out there, that, which is that already kind of creepy. like a bad omen. Yeah. A very bad omen. Well, it might just have been. We're about to find out. So one of the men, uh, his name was Dr. Charles Scudder, and he was a brilliant retired professor from Chicago. The other man was named Joey Odom, and he was from the same area. Um, they were a couple, though, that came from very different backgrounds. Again, Shudder was Scudder was a doctor, and he was known as super intelligent, soft-spoken, and eccentric. He had purple hair, a, mm-hmm, a pet monkey, what? Yeah, and an interest in the occult. Oh wow! He had degrees in zoology, languages, and chemistry, and his PhD was in pharmacology. Oh my God! Also, imagine being just accomplished. Yeah. You can build a house and you're accomplished. Right. About this time, he had already retired and he was 50. So wow. he had it together. Dr. Scudder was a fan of the Adams family and later decorated his home with the Gothic Victorian decor, just like the show. Pretty mm. nifty. I think that's dope. That is cool. And you know, I read this, you probably also know this, but mm-hmm. how um, the Adams family, like in real life, it was everything was like pink. pink. Yeah. Pink. And yeah. then they had the pink room. Yeah. That's so 
weird. So, yeah, back in the day, guys, um, obviously, you know, the Adams family originally was in black and white. So if you think like everything dark, if they're recording, you know, um, and it's coming out black and white, it's not going to contrast well. Right. So the Adams family home, like the walls were pink. A lot of the decor was pink, but you wouldn't have known it. Because it was in black and white. Yeah. yeah so it all looked very creepy and, you know, yeah. which I guess it still was, but it was all pink. I would have so, loved to have seen that. I've seen actual color. pictures. Of I've seen it. pictures too, but yeah. just imagine like this creepy family living a, in a, a pink, pink house. house. <laughs> yeah. So now Joey Odom, who was 12 years Dr. Uh, Scudder's junior, had a fifth wow. grade education. Oh, man. And he came from a poor family, but he was an excellent she- uh, chef and housekeeper. Now, Joey Odom claimed to be a Catholic, but Scudder, on the other hand, was not shy about proclaiming his satanic beliefs. Uh, Scudder was a member of the Church of Satan. Now, fun fact, if you guys aren't aware, Satanists actually do not worship Satan. That's a big misconception. It's just, it's just. It's like, what What do you expect people to think? <laughs> yeah, right. Satanist. I mean, yeah. So if you guys don't know this, Satanists are actually just atheists and they don't worship a god at all. They actually worship themselves and yeah. they consider themselves the god. I knew that, which is weird. It is weird. It's Okay. It's weird because of the name. Yeah. Why, why don't you just call it like a, uh, like your ha- self-assist. So- <laughs> <laughs> It's confusing, I guess, is more the word. Not weird. It's confusing. Right. Like, I knew that, but... If you don't know, you're like, whoa, what? Really? Right, yeah. You know, you just think, like, devil worshiper. Right, like, I... Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Dr. Scudder had resigned from the medical school at La... La Oila? I can't say that word. Loyola in Chicago, but before leaving, had collected 12,000 doses of the psychedelic drug LSD-25. 12,000 doses. That's a lot of doses. Right. (laughs) So at the medical school, he had performed a ton of government-funded experiments with the mind-altering drug. And for some unknown reason, he had also taken two human skulls from the school, which would become part of the satanic rituals at the at the castle, which I mean, I think the unknown reason is pretty obvious. They're doing rituals, so they needed human skulls. Like if you're going to take 12,000, you know, hits of LSD with you, why not just take the skulls, too? I mean, <laughs> I mean, at least they weren't killing people and using. Right. Dead. They took already dead skulls. Yeah, yeah exactly. Is um, it rainy? Is that what that sound is? It sure sounds like it, doesn't it? Wow. Uh, The giant home in the woods had no resources to get running water, phone, or electricity, but the couple was happy. Um, They had a well dug to pump water, and they used uh, lanterns and candles for light at night. It still just sounds nice to me. Like it does sound nice. Just yeah. secluded. Like, Honestly, not for forever, but like a getaway or yeah. something. Well, I wouldn't like the uh, no AC. That'd be a big oh, nope. no. No, 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 no. <laughs> See, that would bother me. That would be yeah. That'd be a big no for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had everything they wanted. Like this was a dream to these guys, just to get away from you know the big city and just you know be, yeah. live their life the way they wanted to without you know interruption right so uh they decorated again with satanic symbols and uh they loved living away from the struggles of the big city life it was just it was a dream to them 
now, the people of the nearby small town of Somerville, Georgia, were stumped on what to make of these guys. This is a small town in, you know, North Georgia. As you can imagine, it's a bunch of, you know, close-minded hicks. <laughs> and they are yep. not very thrilled about this gay couple, you know, with one of them with purple hair and a pet monkey, you know, coming around. They're like, what the hell is going on here? They were, I'm sure, very confused. Oh, yeah. So rumors start, of course, that they're having, you know, the men are having wild orgies and performing satanic rituals. But ultimately, those rumors were pretty true. (laughs) (laughs) But by all accounts, you know, the men really just stuck to themselves and they weren't bothering anybody. Like I said, they were just living the dream out there. You know, they're not bothering these little townspeople. Leave them alone. Um, Though they were openly gay, the people that did know them considered them friendly and very well liked. Uh, The men owned two massive English mastiffs. Whoa. Yeah. One of them, uh, his name was Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Which I did not know this. I had to look this up. But Beelzebub was the prince of devils in the Bible. Yeah. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. And then the other one's name was Arsen. Arsenath, which was named for a character in Howard Phillips' Lovecraft novel. H.P. Lovecraft? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. H.P. Lovecraft, you yes. You know, I bought an H.P. Lovecraft book to go in here, but it's at my house, and I keep forgetting to bring it. Oh. Um, according to another local rumor in town, Dr. Scudder claimed that he had invoked a demon to protect their home. Uh, They decorated their gothic castle in occult decorations, devil statues, stained glass pentagrams, bedposts intricately carved with demonic figures, a pink gargoyle, 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 and a wooden sign painted, beware of the thing. (gasps) What is the thing? (laughs) Jinx. Creepy. (laughs) What is the thing? Probably the demon that he invoked to protect their house. Probably. Oh my gosh. What Honestly, that scares me. Why would you want a demon to protect your house? Because I he mean, was a Satanist. But uh, yeah, but he just was playing that creepy satanic part, I guess. But if, I mean, demons are like notoriously like for evil not being nice. Sad. Yeah. And even in other religions, I don't think people think demons are going to protect you it's just so weird to me how that mm-hmm. i don't know excuse me now this part was super interesting to me and it seems to be pop popular theory that scudder actually had a premonition of his death right so just months before the attack that happens here shortly charles scudder painted a self-portrait and it gives me goosebumps to think about it. Yeah. So in the painting, Scudder was gagged and had five bullet wounds. And uh, lo and behold, his body was discovered in almost identical condition to this self-portrait. Now, when people would ask about this creepy painting in his home, he would just say, that's how I'm going to die. Eerie. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I remember that bit of detail. I didn't remember it till you started saying it. I was yeah. like, oh my God terrible why would you do that why would you also want your death hanging in the house exactly (laughs) strange guy strange guy so um you know as we know lsd was huge in the 70s and early 80s yeah and uh dr scudder and joey odom 
had it easily accessible at all their uh, quote unquote gay sex parties. Yeah, I mean, they had 12,000 12, doses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scudder was also known to make a homemade wine that was a huge hit with, you know, friends that would come for their sex orgies. Nice. Now, one night, Kenneth Avery Brock, who was just 17 years old, and Samuel Tony West, who was 30, decided to join in on one of the Corpsewood Manor parties. Kenneth Brock had previously requested to hunt on the men's property, and he was given full access. You know, he's got a shit ton of acreage out there. Yeah, go hunt. Have at it. Why not? That's nice. Yeah. Now, as we are about to find out, Brock and West were not good men. Avery Brock had been abused and ultimately kicked out of his home by his father and began stealing just to be able to feed himself. He was the 17-year-old. Now, the 30-year-old, Tony West, had accidentally shot and killed his two-year-old nephew when he was just 13 years old. Wow. So he had been playing with a loaded gun and shot and killed his nephew, apparently on accident. Um, How horrifying. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. As a result of the killing, he had a lengthy record of psychiatric treatment over the years. Yeah, I would assume so. And he had been sent to a mental institution until he was 18 after the shooting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. (laughs) So uh, by 1982, now West had a violent felony record already. And uh, that same year, he moved old 17-year-old Brock into his trailer with him. So weird. Yeah. That is so weird. So these guys are not good folks. No. Now, Brock, the 17-year-old, had several homosexual encounters with Scudder at Corpsewood. And eventually, Brock brings West there for more of the same, or at least for the free booze and drugs. Um, Now, rumors, legends, whatever have it that uh, West was not only strongly um, against any kind of homosexuality, but he also convinced Brock that he had been taken advantage of by Scudder. So whether Brock was actually taken advantage of by Scudder kind of remains unclear, but they did have sexual encounters. We know that. It was West's one and only visit inside the castle that the two decided that they would rob Scudder and Odom. West was convinced that the men had large amounts of cash and told Brock that the, and I quote, queer devil worshippers were hiding it on the property. My goodness. So... Unbeknownst to these idiots, though, Scudder and Odom actually had sunk everything they had into their dream home. Yeah. So they didn't have much of anything except for the house. I mean, they have a three-story chicken coop. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and a castle in the woods. Right. They built by hand, you know. Uh, So on the night of December 12th, 1982, Brock and West set their plan to rob the couple. On the way out to Corpsewood Manor, they picked up a rifle from Brock's mom, who they told they were going to use uh, the gun to go hunt rabbits. They also picked up their teenage friends, who would just happen to be the innocent bystanders to a horrific crime. Their names were Joey Wells and his girlfriend, Teresa Hudgens. On their way out to the secluded house with guns in tow, the four huffed a combination of alcohol, paint thinner, and glue. And this was known as a toodaloo. A toodaloo. A toodaloo. Yeah, probably because it can fucking kill you. Yeah, right? Also, um, imagine being 30 and hanging out with teenagers. 17-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Cute. So weird. Sounds like a good guy. 
so things seemed perfectly normal upon their upon their arrival to Corpsewood. They were greeted happily by Dr. Scudder, and all four of them climbed the 40-foot ladder into the pink room. Wow, 40-foot. 40 40-foot 40 ladder. Um, now, a little bit more about the pink room. This was also known as the pleasure chamber. Um, so they, the four of them sit around and they start drinking some homemade wine. The professor's house was off limits to his curious young visitors. And instead, Dr. Scudder would entertain his guests on the third floor of his chicken coop where the pink room was. <laughs> the pink room, as you can imagine, was painted entirely pink and was filled with mattresses, candles, whips, chains, pornography, and uh, even... Uh, uh, wait, 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 wait. The second floor had the pornography. Why do we have We have two more porn, porn upstairs. <laughs> I mean, you got to have it in the pink room, right? To get them going. I mean... Also, how big is this room? I'm not sure how big it was, but, uh, I mean, there's a lot in going on in there. I so. guess you don't really need that much space. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's just filled with all kinds of kinkiness. And there was even a log book that listed their guests' sexual um, escapades. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess if you want something to get you in the mood, just start flipping. Oh, yeah, this happened here. <laughs> <laughs> Yuck. Just read some, like, erotic logins. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so it didn't take long, though, before Brock went out to the truck, supposedly to get more toodaloo. <sighs> Let's go grab some more toodaloo, guys. I'll be back with um your toodaloo. You want some toodaloo? Yeah, How about, you some want more some toodaloo. toodaloo. All right, I'll get three toodaloos. <laughs> but he returns carrying a rifle. Now, according to later testimony, when Scudder saw the gun, he was probably already quite drunk at this point, and he giggled and jokingly said, bang, bang. It's like Dr. Scudder had, like, premonitions of his death, like, super often, which... It's crazy to me. <laughs> then it's super crazy. So um, Scudder was then held at knife point in order to give up his non-existent hidden fortune. Wait, he was hit, or he was um, held up at knife point when he had a gun pointing at him. He didn't have the gun pointed at him yet. The dude walked in with the gun, and Scudder was like, "Ha ha ha! Bang bang!" So he didn't have it, like, pointed at him yet. The dude just walked in with it. It's still weird that they pulled out a knife instead of using the gun. Eh, I don't know. Well, that's what they did. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, meanwhile, Wells and Hudgens attempted to flee, but the car wouldn't start. So they were forced to return to the house. And that's the uh, young couple, you know, that they mm -hmm. took with them. So Odom was surprised in the kitchen of the main house, and he was shot four times. Brock also killed the two, the couple's two dogs, who never even moved away from their cozy f place beside the fire. God, evil! Isn't that horrible? Like yeah. those big English mastiffs, like yeah. probably could have destroyed those guys, and they didn't even budge. Just sweet little souls, just killed them right there. Jeez. So, uh, bound and gagged, Scudder was led from the pink room to the main house, where he was shocked by seeing the dead body of his lover. That's heartbreaking. <clears throat> so sad. His last words were supposedly, I asked for this, before West shot him five times in the head. Oh, 
Why did he ask for this? I guess because of the painting, like, you know, basically just like another premonition, I guess. You know? But that's not asking. Well, that's what he said, I guess, you know. I, that's what I am assuming he was referring to, you know. Wow, what horrible last words. Mm-hmm. I asked for this and then you die. Wow. Yep. Realizing the gay couple did not have any riches in, in or around the home, the four fled the home after the murders. They drove to Mississippi in Scudder's black Jeep, which was painted with pentagrams all over it. Uh, they then killed a Navy lieutenant named Kirby Phelps as a part of a robbery gone wrong on December 15th. What the heck? Yeah. On December 16th, a neighbor discovered bullet holes in the door of, of Corpsewood Manor and called the sheriff's office. <clears throat> on that same day, Teresa Hudgens came forward to the police. According to the sheriff, she was held captive by Joey Wells at his mother's house before she escaped. A nationwide search quickly ensued. Teresa Hudgens and Joey Wells cooperated with the police and never were charged with any crime. What? Well, I don't think they should have been. Oh, that was the the couple that were... Yeah, they didn't do anything. They were just horrified. I don't know why I thought... You were talking about the killers? Yeah. Yeah, so there was Joey Odom. He was one of the victims. And Mm -hmm. there's Joey Wells, who was part of the couple. Right, okay. Um, So I have an excerpt here from a book that was written about the murders, and it is called Corpsewood, an eyewitness account. And Teresa Hudgens actually... um, there's several quotes from her in this book, so I'm about to read one. I say excerpt, but it's more like a couple of paragraphs. So Teresa Hudgens says in the book, I was still feeling uneasy as we pulled into the yard. Tony blew the horn and Charles Scudder, a short blonde man, came out of the house and over to the car and he asked, you guys got a cigarette? He explained explained that Joey Odom, his partner, would probably like to have one. They gave it to him and asked if we could get out. He said that we could and that we'd all go up to the guest house. I later learned that this was also called the pink room or the chicken coop. From the minute they started with a knife and cutting up the sheet and tying him, I was crying and scared to death. Joey Wells was scared too, or he told me he was. I said, please, let's go. Don't hurt anybody. Just rob them if you're going to, but don't kill anybody. Tony gave Avery the gun, and Avery said, well, I'll go down and get rid of that man and the dogs. We heard four or five shots in a, um, in a little bit, and then Avery came running back up and said, I've killed the dogs, and I've killed the man. Mr. Scudder started moaning and crying when he heard Avery say that. Mr. Scudder stood up one more time and tried to walk with his legs still loosely tied. He walked toward the place where Mr. Odom was lying, half in the kitchen and half in the dining room. He was trying to get to him. West yelled for him to stop, but he kept going, still looking at Mr. Odom and crying. Oh, so devastating. Very sad. That's when Tony shot him for the first time with the rifle. The shot went right between his eyes. I can still see that bullet hole if I close my eyes. There was blood trickling down onto his nose and mouth, but he never made a sound. Oh, It was then that Charles Scudder looked over at me, the blood still coming from his forehead, trickling down his face, and he said, Teresa, are you all right? That was the most amazing thing to me. This poor man, already fatally wounded and probably knowing he was going to die, asking me if I was all right. Oh, my gosh. (sighs) Maybe that's why I felt and still feel such a strong connection to Charles Scudder. Wow. 
She later said, I was scared the whole time, and I still wonder if one day they'll get out of prison and come looking for me. Wow. That's so traumatizing. That's crazy. I I can't imagine living with that. I didn't know that part where he asked her if she was okay. What a kind man, you know, just selfless. Yeah. You know? Wow. Perhaps feeling remorseful, Brock, remorseful. (laughs) What the hell did I just say? Remorse. Remorseful. Why do I do this? You know what, though? I've gotten a good ways without fucking shit up. So, all right. I'm proud of you. Right? And especially for the first episode in three months. I messed up a lot. So, perhaps feeling remorseful, Brock returned to Georgia and turned himself into police on December 20th. Wes did the same in Chattanooga, Tennessee on December 25th. Unfortunately, in the media circus surrounding the murders, Charles Scudder and Joseph Odom became victims once again this time in the court of public opinion as you can imagine oh yeah now being openly gay and also interested in the occult scudder had joined the church of satan and i quote to see what it was like according to a friend um the two obviously became easy targets for the satanic panic that was sweeping the nation in the 1980s oh yeah it didn't help that during his confession west said and i quote all I can say is they were devils and I killed them. That's how I felt about it. What a shit bag. Disgusting. What a shit bag. Disgusting. Both Brock and West were found guilty. Brock received three consecutive life terms while West was sentenced to death. West's death sentence was later overturned on appeal. Ew. Mm-hmm. Today, both men are behind bars. Avery Brock is currently serving out his sentence in Georgia State Prison, while Tony West is presently at Augusta State Medical Prison. They have both been denied parole multiple times. Good. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it stays that way. Yeah. The property was purchased soon after the murders. Today, it remains privately owned. Now, a fire destroyed most of the non-brick portions of the building later, Mm -hmm. um, but people still say that the place is very haunted. Even to this day, those who visit the ruins of Corpsewood Manor say that they hear gunshots, the barking of dogs, or even the strains of Scudder's favorite possession, his harp. Ooh, imagine hearing that out there in the woods. Dude, the thing did not protect them. No. Uh, those who take a brick from the crumbling remains of the buildings are said to be cursed for life. Don't, I'm not chancing it ever. Next day, destination, Alyssa? You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I will go, but we're not touching any bricks. No, no, no bricks will come home with us. No way. But uh, yeah, that's the story of Corpsewood Manor and uh, the murders of Joey Odom and Charles Scudder. Absolutely devastating terrible just a shit bag homophobic just trash absolutely like leave these guys alone like just just go about your life like Ugh. you don't have to agree with something to live peacefully away from it mm-hmm. like well they sure were enjoying you know the lsd the drugs the drink you know oh and apparently Avery Brock was enjoyed. doing it with Scudder, so right. So, I mean, is that a fact or is that a rumor? No, I think it's factual. It's mm-hmm. just you know, it's not known if it was kind of a coerced thing or if it was mutual. Well, but honestly, that's gross. 
Yeah, it is gross. Because the dude was like 50 and he was 17. Yeah. But either way. So Scudder is obviously a little skeevy. Yeah. But I don't so. know. I mean, if he's doing that to children, he probably deserved to die. But eek. It was still pretty gnarly, though. No, I agree. They they're killed for the wrong reason. He was killed for the wrong reason. Well, killed because two <laughs> douchebags thought they had money and they didn't even have anything. Ugh. Well, and it's weird because it's like the other dude is basically like, hey, Avery, um, they took advantage of you. Um, I hate Gays. gay people and um, you should too. Um, <laughs> let's rob them and kill them yeah it, it makes no sense no it at all it doesn't Ugh, i hate that story i think it's, it's it's so sad and uh i just i thought it was super interesting that we both did georgia cases you it know? is very interesting yeah i want to take a trip there though i, I totally do too do. i do too um you can find uh directions on the internet i don't know it's it's kind of eerie though because i know it's like super secluded and you probably have to like walk for a while and like yeah too bad you don't have your old jeep i know right hey i do have four wheel drive still though okay let's let's do it we need to do more stuff like yeah uh, we we literally went to the georgia guidestones and that was it yeah well um i went on a haunted ghost tour in savannah a few weeks ago that was cool but uh yeah we do need to do more things like that also um i wanted to mention because hopefully this will become a possibility in the future but there is a museum in savannah that Alyssa actually went to a couple of weeks before i went i think we should not mention that yet no yeah i think we should wait wait and let it be a surprise and i'll i'll tell you why after should we stop recording since i said that um no we can leave it in just know that well there were posted there were pictures posted in the group and everything the museum is important yes it is to future things so well anyway we've done a couple of creepy things here and there but we need to start doing more we haven't done them together though because i went on a haunted ghost we me and scotty did the um it's like a haunted pub crawl which by the way I think I may have told you this, but I'm going to tell it anyways because they don't know. Me and Scotty on our last night in Savannah went on a haunted pub crawl. We I did not to... know you did that. Yeah. You didn't tell me. No. I knew about the museum. Okay. Well, this was the best slash worst day of my life. Oh, God. <laughs> so um, we went to like three different pubs like with our group and, you know, like on the way to the different like haunted pubs or whatever, we stopped at other like haunted areas Mm -hmm. and um there was this one hotel that we went by where um apparently like this girl married this rich man and um the rich man dies and they had built this home and so she turned it into a hotel and then basically there was a rumor that uh she murdered somebody Mm -hmm. and um but they could never prove it Mm -hmm. um until one day they found a dead body like a skeleton in the wall of the hotel um and you can stay there cool but anyways that's just one of them but anyways um i got really drunk (laughs) i had a lot of rum and coke (sighs) and we took pictures in a graveyard saw some spooky stuff um (laughs) we (laughs) we so we ubered to where or we lifted to where um 
the group was going to meet mm-hmm. and then we were just going to take a lift back mm-hmm. and it's savannah like you would think that they would have lifts all night just like in atlanta yeah no they don't what they like stop doing it at a certain time or no something? they just like they become more scarce okay and we were on river street so we thought there's no way we're not gonna have a ride home right you know? so we after the tour we went to a pizza place i can't remember what it's called but after we ate my phone's on 20 percent. scotty's is on like 30 or something like that mm-hmm. we request the lift and um yeah there's none in the area Ooh. it's like a like a two hour long walk He's back to the hotel <laughs> and so we're desperately trying to find um we downloaded uber and we're trying to find an uber mm-hmm. we even were like okay let's let's pay for the 80 dollar uber just because we don't want to walk two hours home yeah. and our phones are about to die oh Oops. my gosh um and there's still no ubers anywhere so we um we just start walking and oh. we're still trying to request like a lift but you know we're trying to save our batteries we're trying to make it you know before our phone dies because we have no idea where we're at mm-hmm. um and uh <laughs> i get a lift like we had been walking for about maybe 20 minutes and i get a lift and we had to run back to where i first had requested oh, no. the lift yeah and so um they were like 15 minutes away literally when they were about two minutes away, they canceled on us. Oh, my God. And I'm, like, wanting to cry because I'm so scared. It's dark. It's late. It's just terrible. So I request another one, mm-hmm. and it takes forever, but we finally get one. He does the same thing. Cancels, like, me? five minutes away from us. Why? I don't know. I don't know. We weren't in some weird place where it would be hard for them to get to us. So... My phone is on 2% at this point. Scotty's is on 12. I'm like, we're never going to make it back. Like, this is awful. Might as well just sleep in the street. L- literally, that's what we were saying. We're like, you know, ne- didn't realize we are going to spend our <laughs> last night in Savannah on the streets of Savannah. Like, oh. we paid money for a night that we're not even going to use. <laughs> but um, anyways, the, this final car finally picked us up. And he was the nicest guy ever. And we, like, tipped him a bunch of money. Because <laughs> we were like, thank you so much for not you canceling us. saved our life. Yeah, so <coughs> apparently... Um, we were the first ones to not cancel on him and he was the first one to not cancel on us so nice it was god i know when we got back to the hotel i was like oh like it sobered me up so fast i was was like we are trapped here forever speaking of savannah i don't know if you guys are aware listeners but savannah is known as like the most haunted city in america Mm -hmm. even more uh, than new orleans yeah yeah which is craziness or you know uh massachusetts uh salem Salem. yeah (coughs) excuse me something stuck in my throat um anyway uh in september I'm about to cough my brains out. We might want to pause for one moment. All right, hold on, guys. Sorry, I just realized why I was coughing my brains out. I uh, grabbed a blanket when we were walking back through to uh, record my part. And this blanket lays on uh, my stepdaughter's bed, and the cat lays on it, and I am highly allergic. So that's what's going on right now. So she's highly allergic, yet has like what two cats? Two cats, two dogs. Yep. <laughs> anyway, they stay upstairs though, so I'm not used to the cat dander. 
anyway, about Savannah, um, I am going in September to stay in a haunted hotel room. And story goes, um, this particular inn back, you know, early 1900s, whenever it was, there was a um, young woman by the name of Anna. And uh, Anna and her husband were staying at the inn. Well, Anna gets back from wherever she was and she walks into the room where her and her husband are staying and he is with another woman. So catches him in the act and basically rumor has it well not well yeah rumor but this is a true story she ends up falling out of the window to her death hit the concrete bam done um most people think that she jumped just out of distress and Mm -hmm. you know just the horror of finding her husband with another woman um but there are rumors that maybe she was pushed you know to keep quiet you know Mm -hmm. we don't really know anyway like i said true story so um, I am going to stay in the room where this death happened and where she jumped from the window. Um, they say Anna does not like women at all. She likes men. I bet not. <laughs> she uh, Sometimes men have claimed to be woken up by her, like caressing their head or their chest. Now women, on the other hand, have been drugged out of the bed by their feet, uh, choked in their sleep. They have had their belongings end up in the street in the toilet um anna doesn't like women at all okay brooke why why am i doing this because i'm fucking weird i don't know but i'm stoked i can't wait i don't know how long i'm gonna last in there but uh hopefully i won't jump to my death or be pushed to my death (laughs) rather by anna Um, but uh just in case you are i will be putting out applications soon for a new (laughs) co-host stop it so yeah i um it was like a two-month wait you know to get to Uh that room because so many people want to stay in it so i will be doing that and so that'll be a cool update to give you guys in a couple of months you should bring like a like a little nanny cam or something to like record you guys while you sleep that would be really cool you should totally do that yeah something yeah your Mm -hmm. gopro or something yeah something that can like last all night like will i sleep i don't know We'll see. You might be coming home from Savannah a night early. So, and uh, also while I'm there, uh, I'm going to do now when me and my girls were there a few weeks ago, we did a ghost tour, like I said, but we did the trolley tour because the one I wanted to go on was a hearse tour where you actually ride through the Savannah, uh, city of Savannah and your your host or whatever you want to call him, driver, chauffeur, chauffeur. Tour guide. Um, tour guide tells you, you know, the horrors and all the things of Savannah. But uh, the hearse tour was completely booked up while we were there. So I'm going to book it for while I'm here the next time. And this is a hearse that for 15 years was in operation carrying dead bodies. So yeah. I think that's dope as hell. I know I'm strange, but so I'm going to do that as well. So hopefully I can come back with some story for you guys. And hopefully I will be back after this. I looked into the hearse one too, but Scotty was not about it. No? No. Scotty doesn't. We're pretty different when it comes to that kind of stuff. He's not into the spooky stuff so much. Not really. Um, I don't know. I don't even think he wanted to do the haunted pub crawl, but I mean, we had a lot of fun in our tour guide. She was seriously amazing. Like that tour would have not been as great if it wasn't for her. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw that one, but of course I couldn't do that with the girls. Yeah, it's sad because we had so much fun. Oh my gosh. And there was a um, 
bachelor party with us mm-hmm. and scotty made friends with them and it was <laughs> that's the hilarious scotty made friends with them <laughs> i know bunch of girls no bachelor oh bachelor yeah bachelor i was thinking bachelorette okay cool. yeah it was really weird <laughs> but, but we had a good time i love savannah like if i could I move too. to savannah i would it's just so damn that. muggy but it is here for you not I mean, just outside you're right it's you're right. terrible here you're right I guess it is, you know, 30 minutes from the beach, so that's nice. Right, exactly. So, I guess um, keep listening out for um, this news that we may or may not have. We're not that quite I sure. halfway spilled the beans on my bed. <laughs> um, but... Uh, I also do want to say that, um, I'm sorry, this is so much talking. Mm-hmm. Um, this coming Monday, well, after this episode, next Monday, um, we will have a listener juice out instead of a regular episode because Brooke will be in Florida. Mm-hmm. So we won't have time to record and we didn't have time to, it was really a last minute decision to um, bring the podcast back. So mm-hmm. um, we didn't really have time to do two stories this week. So, well, it had been a discussion for a while, but it was a last minute decision to do it this, this week. week. Yes. That's so. what I mean. Yes. So, yeah, just be looking out for that. We're sorry that you won't have an actual, like, researched story next week. But um, we are back and we will be releasing every week. Every Monday. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. I guess that's everything, right? Yep. <laughs> for God's sake. Don't drink the dance shoes.